Welcome to Touch Podcast, conversations of spirit and body. This is Nate. This is Ryan. A little warning here, folks. The themes in this podcast include topics not suitable for children or adults who act like children. We're jumping back into our conversation with Shannon Etheridge here in episode 10. So if you're just now tuning in, stop right now and go back and listen to episode 9. Now, if you've just found Touch Conversations by happenstance, know that this podcast is a serial and that there are nine episodes before this one and there'll be ten more episodes after. Previously on Touch Podcast. We are here on this episode with Shannon Etheridge, a real-life evangelical who gets honest with us. Because anytime you're talking about sex, there is this sense that the energy, the fire will get lit, it'll get out of control, it'll burn the whole place down. And um, yeah, so I have a lot of respect for you for, particularly in that community, being willing to stick your neck out and push, you know, turn the heat up a little bit appropriately, I think. Well, here's the thing about fire. Yeah, it can destroy things, but you can also freeze to death in a marriage if there isn't fire. That's right. Just like campfires keep people alive, sex is what will often keep a marriage alive. And in the absence of that healthy intimacy, what do we have? A, a, A couple of cold fish that are just flailing and not knowing, you know, how to handle their relationship. So, Nate, I see that you're about to explode. (laughs) Well, yeah, I... I, I want to, um, well, I just want to acknowledge that as someone who's divorced as well, um, it, it is so, it's, it is such, it is painful to hear um, someone else getting a divorce. But God hates divorce and so do I and so do you and so does every other Christian on the planet. We get that. Mm. But God loves divorcees. That's what I've learned. That mm. we're not disqualified mm. for ministry just because we're divorced, Nate. I just want you to know that. Right. Oh, thank you for saying that. That, in in fact, that was <clears throat> that said. I think that said more eloquently what was percolating inside me, um, is is the the ability to 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 go through a divorce and still be someone who, um, who who still regards marriage and who still respects it and who still desires it. And a lot of times when I when I went through my divorce, I was afraid that in doing this. Uh, folks will think that I'm letting go the, the that I've lost value in marriage, and and I haven't. It's because I value it that we had to go through our divorce, and so I wanted to allow space for that process to happen, so that there isn't a trigger response when we when we use this word, um, and and yeah. Yeah, please and, continue. I don't want to and that out. was beautifully said as well. Sometimes divorce mm. really is the most loving thing for a couple to do for one another instead of to one another. Um, yeah. But that, we're, we're, we're getting off on that other tangent. I, I want to come back to, this is yes. what I'm seeing, okay? So um, as a result of leaving that campus, being fired, I started Women at the Well in a completely different format. Instead of 12 weeks, once a week for an hour and a half, I started gathering eight to 10 women at a time in my living room for a four day span of time to unpack all of their sexual and emotional baggage to help them figure out why they're either swinging too far to the left, some of them, and too far to the right, others. So some of them have- What do you mean by that to the left and to the right? Like rigid and crazy or whatever? Some of them have been acting out, doing things that they never in a million years thought that they would do. It's like biscuit dough coming out of a can. They just, they don't seem to be able to help themselves. So they're either having an affair 
or they're involved in some sort of internet entanglement, or they feel the, the pressure rising in a relationship in their office or with a neighbor or somebody like that of just, they're trying to get a grip before they destroy their marriage and are unfaithful to their husbands, or they're trying to maintain some sta some sexual standards prior to marriage. And they realize that their life is just spun out of control in seasons of their life. And then there are other populations and I have them together at the same group. So usually about half of the women are acting out about the other half of the, the eight to 10 women that gather, they're shutting down and they've been shut down sometimes for many, many years. And they've never understood why sex just doesn't appeal to them. They have zero libido for their husbands. They're disgusted by the, the thought of sex. They can literally have physiological responses, like want to vomit at the thought of sex and that sort of thing. And we often find that it's been because of how they were programmed as children or because of sexual abuse or extreme body image issues, et cetera, et cetera. So I help women unearth why do they feel the way they do about their sexuality. And so we have to look at the messages that they have been given all along. So the goal is that no matter how far they're swinging to the left or to the right is to help them find a healthy middle balance where they're interested in motivated sex partners once again, but only with their husbands, not anybody else. But here's the thing that I have been seeing guys that I'm so concerned about. And this is why I was so elated to hear y'all's podcast is that it seems as if there is a notion. I think that intrinsically people know that sexuality and spirituality are two sides of the same coin. And it seems as if, if, if people have been taught that sex is dirty, sex is bad, God doesn't approve even a lustful thought or even a sexual thought or any sexual energy flowing your through your body is sin. Now you're at risk of going to hell. I mean, like when you take it to those extremes, they know they can't divorce themselves from their sexual energies because Lord knows they've tried for years. So the only conclusion that they can come to is I have to divorce myself from my spirituality to not wallow in guilt. That's my concern. Mm. That is my big concern is that, wait a minute, when people feel as if they can't be Christian anymore because they're sexual or because they have sexual energy, when people feel as if they have to leave God and leave the church because they can't deny their sexuality any longer, that concerns me as a Christian. And the other thing that really concerns me is that, yeah, it's not a salvation issue. No sexual issue is ever a salvation issue. Our salvation was never based on whether or not we've ever had a sexual thought or feeling or activity or anything. Our salvation is based on what Christ did for us on the cross, period, in, in the discussion. But also the, the shame that when there's, like some people have responded, and even on the Facebook post that I put out there, it was like 95%, hooray, 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 finally somebody's giving voice to our concerns and our feelings. But there was that 5%. That were like, wait a minute, Shannon, what are you saying? Are you saying that you don't believe in saving sex until marriage anymore? That's not what I'm saying at all. And I don't think that it's what you guys are saying either necessarily. We're not saying that saving sex until marriage is bad. We're saying that shaming sex until, until marriage is bad because you take that shame into the marriage with you. And it's really hard to divorce yourself from that shame once it's been embedded so deeply into your thinking. Mm. So, so those are my concerns. How can we be fully sexual and fully spiritual in the same body? How can we be horny and holy at the same time and hold our heads high and feel good about that? This is who God created us to be. There's no reason for guilt or shame or inhibition. Maybe that's your next book, Horny Holiness. <laughs> By Melissa. Melissa Etheridge. Co-authored by Melissa Etheridge. Or Stacey Eldridge. Everybody thinks yeah. I'm Stacey Eldridge. I'm not. 
Shannon well, Estrogen. <laughs> actually, if, if I can mention something about that, I'm so glad to hear the full story of how the book came about because when I got introduced to you to the Every, the Every Man and Woman series, um, mm -hmm. I was in the place that you're describing now. I was uh, my my former and I were 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 married early on in our marriage, and to to try to make it work, uh, that was one of our go-to books, the the Every Man Every Woman series, and um, we we needed that voice, and it was so refreshing, and so um, and and I value that the goodness that that gave to me, but at the same time, it also Having it clumped together with a series, I think I was not able to hear your uniqueness. I was not able to hear your unique positions. The the amazing um, enthusiasm you have for sexuality was kind of lost in the um, the package deal of the Every Man series for me. Because as a man, um, we don't hear often the the sexually confident woman speaking to us because that makes us horny and makes us all you know tempting, right? I mean. Temptation, right? So, titillated. titillated, and 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 Ryan corroborate with me. And as as a man going through this season, it's it was a lot to do with us restraining our sexuality and protecting ourselves from sexually confident women, and um, that kind of what well, that distanced me from hearing a unique voice like yours. And to hear it now is. It's so refreshing. And when I was married, I remember wanting to say these things to my wife. I wanted to breathe the life of encouragement to her. But because I was the man who was the husband that was struggling to have sex, it, it, it came across um, manipulative. It came across um, uh, ulterior motive or something. And I just, it was a hard thing for a, ma for a man to tell his wife. But for you, as a woman, to speak to other women, it's such a refreshment and um, so powerful. So as a man, let me just thank you for that let me let me thank you for all the work that um for, for men to 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 realize that there are some things that we cannot do for for women and that is to um whatever whatever magic shannon's contributing this is one of those areas so we have to let these confident amazing powerful women speak and blossom and just set the world ablaze because that's, that's it's time for it well and what i want women to hear loud and clear is that when your husband comes to you interested in being sexual with you he is not putting his needs on you this is not your marital duty this is your marital delight and, and i would love to, an opportunity to have a totally different conversation with you guys about that mental process of how a woman can open up her mind to let those sexual energies flow but for right now I just want to say it's the biggest compliment in the world for your husband to come to you saying you make me hot you turn me on I want to touch you I want you to touch me I want to pleasure you I want to bring you to orgasm like that that should be a red carpet invitation that we find irresistible and if that's not your thinking I do hope you'll come to one of my workshops. And I do. <laughs> I, I have to say, I, I love how I get flowers and cards and candy after the workshops from so many husbands saying, I don't know what you did with the woman that I sent to you, but I'm keeping the woman that you sent back because they're just like blown away. <laughs> and I think that that's what married sex should be like. It, it should blow your minds. Mm, Both your great. minds. Yeah. yeah, we will definitely have to do a show on that exact topic. Um, for sure. Uh, and I wanted to, you know, something that occurred to me, Shannon, as you were speaking about, um, how some people made their sexual feelings, a salvation issue. And that I, I remember in the early nineties, you know, there were some evangelists going around, um, who would preach a gospel that was, um, 
basically if if you have if your behavior isn't matching up with the christian ideal maybe you're not really saved and <gasps> and i think sexual sin tended to be the and lust tended to be the thing they really hounded on and i wonder if that's how people connected i must not really be a christian because i've you know i, I want to have sex and i want to have a yeah. bad yeah that absolutely breaks my heart and, and the interesting thing is that you know we never asked people to sign a pledge saying i will never lie i will never cheat i will oh. never steal i will never dishonor my parents you know, like why have we elevated this one in, in such a way that it makes people feel bad about even having a wet dream or even having any sort of sexy thought flow between their ears. Like we are sexual beings cradled to grave and those thoughts are going to start flowing early in life. I mean, sometimes when I ask people, when was your, when do you remember your earliest sexual thoughts or feelings? It's usually between three and five years old, like as far back as their memory goes. We have sonogram pictures of babies masturbating in the womb, you know, touching themselves between their legs. I mean, it's just so natural. And when you, I loved what uh, Dr. Sellers had said about, yeah, you go into a nursing home and these people are trying to reenact sexual things, even though they're completely out of their mind, that this is how we're wired as human beings. Why would we shame people for that? Yes, give them boundaries. Like, I, I totally understand the need for books like Every Man's Battle or Every Woman's Battle, that we want the river to flow between its banks where it's, it's healthy and it's life-giving. We don't want it to overflow and drown the entire community. But when we talk about it being a salvation issue or we make it a shame issue, that's when the movement has moved too far. And I have to say, hey, whoa, wait a minute. It's time for some healthier dialogue. So yeah, you mentioned the, the radio show that I've been doing the past several years, um, and it's actually not mine. I have to say it's Dr. Corey Allen that started Sexy Marriage Radio, mm -hmm. and I was on the show with him for four and a half years, and I just recently uh, stepped aside as a divorced woman. I just felt as if the chair needed a married woman since it's called Sexy Marriage Radio, but I'm just so honored to have the opportunity to have this conversation with you guys because here's the thing. Last summer, summer of 2017, I wanted to do a show with Corey where I talked about this very thing of what has the abstinence education movement from decades past done mm. to marriages today. And it was a no holds barred conversation. And I was quoting from an article that someone had forwarded to me. And I was shocked at the number of emails that we received. And there was a huge spike in the listenership. I think like 175,000 downloads that month to this particular show. And the feedback that we were getting was either, oh my gosh, I'm so glad to hear somebody talk about this. Hooray, hooray, hooray. Thank you for being so bold. But the other side was, what are you saying? You don't believe in saving sex until marriage? Like they, they completely misunderstood it and mistook it so much so that we had to do two follow-up episodes. One oh, episode, wow. yeah. One follow-up episode was for the 10% of people who did save sex until marriage, because that's about all that it is. 10% will walk the aisle as virgins um, or not having had sex with each other. So we did a show especially for them to kind of smooth their feathers back down and clarify what we were saying. But then we also did a show for the 90% of people who were carrying all kinds of guilt and shame over the fact that they didn't save sex until marriage and how they had to stop thinking that God couldn't possibly bless their marriage because if true love waits and we didn't wait, then what we have must not really be true love. Mm. That 
broke my heart every time I heard it in a workshop, every time I work with an individual or a couple and they allude to the guilt and shame, they still feel, I mean, even like 35, 40 years ago, that they couldn't resist having sex with one another even like a week before their wedding and they have let that be a dark cloud raining on their marriage parade every day since then. God's forgiveness is much richer than that. He is not holding that over that uh, holding that over us and he is not withholding his blessings from a marriage because of what we did or didn't do prior to that wedding day. I just don't think that God is a tit for tat God like that. Yeah, yeah, and if I this is so good. If here's what I'm feeling at the moment, it's kind of like in this conversation, there's a breath of fresh air because we're able to talk about things that we felt like we haven't been able to talk about, right? And along with that, there's also what Ryan talked about before. He mentioned how sexuality can be like fire, right? How it can be really polarizing. So I also want to allow space for the others who are feeling the fear of the subject because for some of us. To simply bring up the subject of sex is threatening their marriage. It's threatening their 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 position in their in their um, in their ministry. It's it sex is such a potent thing. Whether even when it's guilted, it's such a potent thing that it 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 can really threaten a lot. And so, with the refreshment that we can speak of it, there are others that are like. Oh, you know, it's the subject is hitting them hard and all these little questions that they're having with themselves. And so though that moment is not something to just kind of breeze by in a couple of seconds, folks, if you're if you're having that feeling um, that let that feeling happen. Right. So there is a lot of growth that's that's that happens there. And and what we're talking about here with Shannon is this. This is just the tip of the iceberg here. We're, we're finally beginning to start a conversation and um. And to let all these thoughts and, and concerns just finally breathe, to finally breathe. So, so good. And I really just want to urge, no matter where you are on the conservative, progressive, liberal spectrum, evangelical or not, it's time for everybody to take a seat at this table and to dialogue in this healthy way. And so it doesn't matter you know, if you hear something that curls your, curls your toenails on this podcast, I want to encourage you, put on your big boy boxers and your big girl panties and keep listening. Chew up the meat and spit out the bones. Everybody's sexual journey is unique to them. Nate, I just so want to affirm you and where you are in your journey. Ryan, same thing with you in your marriage. And I know that y'all affirm me with my aspirations to be married again someday because you you hit the nail on the head. Nate, I, I so believe in marriage. I so so believe in sexual intimacy within marriage. And, and I want to continue being an advocate for that movement the way that I have the past 25 years. I intend to do another 25 years. But it is time for us to have these conversations and stop wincing and, and certainly stop lobbing landmines across the fence at one another that we have so much to learn from each other. And you know, no, I can't say that I've agreed with every single thing that every single speaker on your show has presented, but I so respect that this is what they've learned along the way in their journey and in their work. And I can learn from that. And I want to learn from that. And I'm so delighted to have an opportunity to teach people from my experiences today. So thank you guys so much for <laughs> trusting an evangelical conservative voice <laughs> on your show. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you. I mean, that's certainly what we want to do. We've, we'll have... Uh, the rest of the season, we'll have a, a myriad of voices from a lot of different perspectives, uh, and and neither, none of the, our guests will be people who either me or me or Nate agree with completely. It's uh, 
a mosaic of voices of contributions to this space um, and we, we hope people can get a foothold on, on some of what's been going on and, and as and in this part in the podcast in this part of the season we're making a pretty hard turn toward less defining of the problems we think we've done that pretty well and moving toward like this conversation and our conversation with tina and some others toward solutions better ways of thinking better ways of behavior better ways of unlearning some of the things that we've learned and yes. and and from a variety of perspectives and this has been really valuable to have you on the show Good, good. And that's exactly what I want people to consider is that, you know what, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Now that we are pivoting towards solutions rather than focusing on the problem, whether you agree with the extent to which the problem has impacted society is beside the point. But let's open our minds to what can we do better in our own marriages and our own lives. And more importantly, what can we do better to pass the baton of healthy sexuality onto our children? because we don't want to make the same mistakes. Every generation yeah. should be learning from the mistakes that our parents made with us and try our best not to make those same mistakes if we can help them. Well, that's where we're stopping for today. Huge thanks to Shannon Etheridge for her time and energy on Touch Conversations. Wow, I love this show. Well, and you can find out more about Shannon's ministry at shannonetheridge.com, which includes links to her books, seminars, and speaker information. And another shout-out to Nashville singer-songwriter Scott Willis, whose music can be heard playing gently in the background of many of our episodes. You can find his music on Facebook when you forward slash to Scott Willis Music. By the way, the views presented on Touch reflect solely the views of those who are speaking them. Upcoming on Touch Conversations, Angela Yarber, David Gushy, Carla Ewart, and Joshua Harris. This is Nate. If you want to connect with us on social media, we got Twitter, we have Instagram. In fact, I've never been good at any of those, and I'm actually using them for the first time with this. So this will be really fun. You can find us on the web at touchpodcast.com, where you can also watch some extra videos that that I have done, and some extra extra photos and audio content that Ryan's done, and just a lot of written content from the both of us. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Stitcher. And you can email us at info at touchpodcast.com and call or text us at 678-685-1010. Our social media handle is touch underscore cast. Ryan, this is, this is so good. I have a quick question for you, Ryan. In the spirit of positive conversation, how would you describe the three voices talking here right now? How would you describe it? Because, like, I think we're offering some different opinions here, which is not, I don't want to say different opinions. We each are offering a unique opinion, and I think it's kind of interesting. How, how would you describe that? Uh, I've had a couple emails from folks who said, do you have a woman, is there going to be a woman on the show? You need a woman on the show. You need a woman's <laughs> perspective. And we've, this season is almost, we've interviewed nearly all women. However, uh, I think, one, men tend to behave better when there's a woman around. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, and yeah, you know, it's the yin, the yin and the yang, right? There needs to be a balance.